This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. In segment two today, we're going to talk to the author of an interesting book. The book is titled Parallax, The Race to Measure the Cosmos. Now, since we're titled Radio Parallax, we thought it was a natural fit. Looking at things from a different perspective is what accounts for the phenomenon of parallax. It's why you have binocular vision and see in 3D. You can also use parallax to measure how far away celestial objects are, and that is the story of Dr. Alan W. Hirschfeld's book, about which we will speak in segment two. David Levy, the science editor for Parade Magazine, called this one of the great stories of scientific history. Stay tuned and see if you don't agree. On July 26th in the year 657, an epic battle took place in Mesopotamia, today's Iraq, which would alter the future course of Islam. In this instance, we're referring to the Battle of Siphon. In the battle, Muawiyah, an early Islamic leader and who would become the founder of the great Umayyad dynasty of the Caliphs, defeated Ali, who was the son-in-law of the Prophet Muhammad. This led to the split between Sunni and Shia, which uh, still exists to this day. We'll speak a little bit more about that battle in our third segment today. On this date in 1579, the English explorer Sir Francis Drake left the San Francisco Bay Area and headed across the Pacific. He returned home to England with a great deal of plunder, which he stole from the Spanish, who had been busy stealing it from the indigenous civilizations of the Western Hemisphere. On July 26, 1869, the Disestablishment Bill was passed in Britain. It officially dissolved the Church of Ireland. This caused organized opposition leaders to coin one of the longest words in the English language, anti-disestablishmentarianism. This meant you were opposed to the disestablishment of the Church of Ireland. And as far as we know, it has nothing to do with the slightly longer word, supercalifragilistic expialidocious. And finally, on July 26, 1953, Fidel Castro began his revolt against the regime of Fulgencia Batista with an attack on the Moncada Army Barracks near Santiago de Cuba, not far from present-day Guantanamo. The attack was unsuccessful. Most of Castro's followers were killed in the attack. He himself was captured and tried. But since Fidel Castro did eventually succeed in ousting Batista in 1959, this date is celebrated as Independence Day in Cuba. Our quote of the day comes from Anatole France, who said, If 50 million people say a foolish thing, it is still a foolish thing. Our quote of the day comes from Winston Churchill, who once said, the only statistics you can trust are those you falsified yourself. And our joke of the day, although it's not really a true joke, but uh, our humorous remark of the day comes from Dave Barry, who apparently took a question from a reader asking, as a fourth-year medical student, I'm wondering, is there any way to remember the difference between prostrate and prostate? Barry replied that we contacted the Mayo Clinic, which informs us that surgeons there use this simple poem. If two R's are found, it's down on the ground. If one R is on hand, then it's a gland. 
Not bad. Our true or false question of the day is, napalm was invented for the Vietnam War. True or false? We will have the answer in our third segment today. Our statistic of the day comes from USA Today slash Gallup poll, which notes that more Americans think the country needs a third major political party. While 33% say the Democratic and Republican parties do an adequate job, 58% now say a third major party is needed. All right, let's do the good, the bad, and the ugly. According to The Week magazine, and we really like this story, it was a good week last week for justice after police in Hanover, Germany, refused to press charges against a man who was struggling against a bulky computer late at night and hurled it out the window, causing a loud crash that woke up some of his neighbors. Said a police spokesman, who hasn't felt like doing that? And we agree, pressing charges would have been wrong. Last week, on the other hand, was a decidedly bad week for users of public toilets after the Kimberly Clark Corporation unveiled an electronic toilet paper dispenser that limits users to a mere five sheets. Said Richard Thorne of the company's washroom division, people generally in life will take what you give them. Personally, I feel that if someone then throws an electronic toilet paper dispenser out the window, Again, charges should not be pressed. And finally, it was an ugly week last week for Philadelphia sports fans after the Philadelphia Phillies lost their 10,000th game in the history of the franchise. This is more than any other American team in any sport. The Philadelphia fans are known for their sarcastic fatalism, and in this instance, they stood and cheered as Ryan Howard struck out the final out in a 10-2 loss. And that's the good, the bad, and the ugly. Now we're going to have to talk about it at some point, but not today. There was a live Earth concert on all the uh, continents. Uh, the weekend before last, and here's a little item that, <laughs> that caught my attention. Apparently, the lead singer of the heavy metal band Metallica, James Hetfield, was briefly detained at a British airport on the way to perform at a live Earth concert in London. The authorities uh, thought he might be a terrorist. Airport officials were concerned about Hetfield's Taliban-like beard, they said. Not to be outdone by British stupidity. Here in America, the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department announced last week it was launching an internal investigation into accusations that officials gave Paris Hilton special treatment during her 21-day jail term. Several deputies said Hilton was given free, unlimited cell phone access, had her mail hand-delivered, and was issued a new orange jumpsuit instead of the usual hand-me-down. Boy, now, there's a good use of tax dollars. And we have two items from the Only in America file. Item number one, and this is truly from the Only in America file. A New York lawyer has fired a lawsuit challenging the constitutionality of Ladies' Night. 
Legal experts have long agreed that it's discriminatory for bars and nightclubs to offer free or cheap drinks only to females, but because it invariably improves the male-female ratio, men are usually not motivated to challenge it. Enter attorney Roy Den Hollander, who says the time has come for Ladies' Night to join segregation and slavery in the dustbin of civil rights history. Said this legal crusader for civil rights, who I'm sure has no interest in any possible financial gain from this lawsuit, the case will produce a much-needed victory for men. And topping that, we have the following. Christian activists last week disrupted a Hindu clergyman as he tried to deliver the traditional morning prayer in the U.S. Senate. Rajan Zed had just begun his prayer to the Deity Supreme when shouts of, This is an abomination! and No Lord but Jesus Christ! came out of the gallery. Evidently, three members of a Christian group, Operation Save America slash Operation Rescue, were then led away in handcuffs. They later denounced Zed for, quote, placing the false god of Hinduism on a level playing field with the one true God, Jesus Christ. This would never have been allowed by our founding fathers, end quote. Actually, we would suggest to the members of the Christian group, Operation Save America and Operation Rescue, that they check the Constitution. The Founding Fathers evidently were pretty high on the idea of uh, having no official religion in the United States of America. We've given some uh, reports of late about how some endangered species appear to be doing pretty well, the bald eagle for one. And yes, we talked about this before, but uh, in a story datelined uh, July 20th out of Washington, D.C., it was noted by the, by the Environment News Service that eight decisions made by a disgraced Bush administration official under the Endangered Species Act could be reversed after questions were raised about the integrity of the science used and whether the decisions were made illegally. That's according to the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Now, environmental groups are calling this uh, a day late and a dollar short. One, uh, one was quoted as saying, Despite no scientific training, McDonald interfered in dozens of scientific decisions concerning endangered species. Apparently not included among the decisions that are now being reviewed were McDonald's reconsideration of cri- critical habitat for a fish called the Sacramento split tail, which may have impinged upon an 80-acre farm she owns in Dixon, California. The article notes that the Center for Biological Diversity and the Maricopa Audubon Society filed a lawsuit uh, li- earlier this year challenging the Bush administration's suppression of scientific reports, concluding that the southwestern bald eagle also called the Arizona bald eagle, should remain on the endangered species list. Uh, We would also note uh, last week that uh, while George W. Bush had five polyps removed from his colon, Vice President Dick Cheney temporarily assumed the duties of chief executive. Uh Oh, we should clarify, Vice President Dick Cheney officially assumed the chief executive duties under the rarely invoked 25th Amendment. And to that, we would just say, fill in your own joke here. Noted the Associated Press, nothing occurred during the two hours and five minutes of the transfer that required Cheney to take official action. So as far as we know, uh, during that interim, the, uh, the vice president did not leak the identities of any known CIA agents working to thwart terrorism. 
nor did he thwart uh, efforts to uh, find out what he was up to regarding any uh, energy uh, policies going on, uh, particularly regarding the California energy crisis. And we're quite positive that while he was acting as president of the United States, Dick Cheney did not declare that he was no longer a part of the executive branch. I'm not sure what to say about the fact that two of the best summaries of of news items come from cartoonists. Tom Tomorrow's This Modern World, of course, hit another home run in, in last week's edition of the Sacramento News and Review, as did Gary Trudeau's Doonesbury in the Bee. And I hope you saw the uh, This Modern World cartoon, which in five panels summarized the whole Iran-Iraq situation. The title of the cartoon was How the News Works. In the first panel, it said, Newspaper editors obediently present government propaganda as verified truth. Headline in the New York Times, Iraq is the scariest menace in history of scary menaces. Panel 2. Newspaper editors help pave the way for a disastrous war. Headline, democracy not flowering as rapidly as expected. Third panel, newspaper editors eventually realize they've been scammed. Headline, remember those WMDs we told you about? Well, it's a funny story. Fourth panel, newspaper editors apologize. Headline, oops, are bad. Followed by the final panel, newspaper editors obediently present the next round of government propaganda as the verified truth. Headline in the Times, Iran is scariest menace in history of scary menaces. And no, I don't think you can summarize it any better than that. And Doonesbury summed up uh, the whole stem cell line uh, controversy very succinctly as Mike Doonesbury's uh, speaking with his daughter who's saying, another stem cell research veto. Can someone explain how using some cell lines is moral and others immoral? These are blastocysts of 75 cells. If they're not used, they're discarded. How can destroying them be more ethical than using them to save lives? Final panel shows the Bush White House. Bush is saying, the blastocysts all get decent burials, right? And AIDS going, um, I can check that, sir. And we, and we love this item of Vladimir Putin is here. Uh, he was actually the first foreign leader asked to come visit the Bush private family compound in Kennebunkport, Maine. Apparently, uh, Vladimir and George get along pretty well, in spite of the fact that Putin likes to murder uh, journalists who are critical of him. But we love this item. Apparently, a, uh, a new government manual for history teachers in Russia whitewashes the Stalin era while extolling Vladimir Putin's reign. The teacher's guide describes Stalin as, quote, the most successful Soviet leader ever, unquote because he industrialized the nation and led to its victory in World War II. It excuses Stalin's purges, mass deportations, and gulags as regrettable side effects of building a strong Soviet state. As for Putin, it defends his strangling of human rights organizations as a necessary blow against foreign meddling in Russian affairs. The authors of the manual said the revisionism was vital to restoring Russia's sense of pride. Imagine in the U.S. you were told that all your history was awful and nightmarish, said author Pavel Danilin. I'm sure you'd change the way history was taught, too. And, of course, we have. Anyway, uh, speaking of news and review, as we were just a minute ago, we, uh, we liked the guest editorial by William J. Hughes, Sacramento writer and poet, and uh, past Radio Parallax guest. 
William Hughes wrote about the four surviving members of the, uh, the Abraham Lincoln Brigade, men who traveled to Spain to fight against Francisco Franco in the 1930s. He notes that there were about 3,000 Americans in the International Brigades, uh, and uh, for their pains, the U.S. government later called them prematurely anti-fascist. And after World War II, they found themselves on the McCarthyites' blacklists. I, I just love that phrase of J. Edgar Hoover, prematurely anti-fascist. Now, we know Hitler wasn't so good, but you know, those guys were working against him just a little too soon. Anyway, we, we would refer you to the News and Review for uh, William Hughes' editorial. And uh, speaking of being anti-fascist, we were somewhat dismayed about this story coming out of Germany. The word is that uh, the director, Brian Singer, is making a movie about the brave German officers who tried to assassinate Adolf Hitler in 1944. Slated to play the lead conspirator, Klaus Schenk von Stauffenberg, is Tom Cruise. If, uh, if you know this story at all about this attempt to assassinate his, Hitler, you, sh you know that this could make just a riveting motion picture. But apparently some in Germany are not grateful that Tom Cruise is going to shine his superstardom on, uh, on, on what is, in many ways, a bright moment in a dark chapter of German history. The German government's refusing to give the film crew access to key historical sites. The reason? Cruise's religion. He's an avid Scientologist. The first person to object was Stauffenberg's son, who said his father should be played, quote, by a Christian, unquote. But it wasn't long before politicians from all parties piled on, invoking decency and German values and begging Singer to choose a different actor. You know, you, you can say what you want about, uh, about Scientology and, and Tom Cruise being a Scientologist, but this is really stupid. And uh, Mr. McMillan does point out that as far as he knows, uh, Mel Gibson is, is not currently available for the role. And uh, we should close the segment with yet another item, I think, involving uh, American actors getting in trouble in foreign lands. Evidently, last week, actor Sylvester Stallone was convicted of illegally bringing testosterone and human growth hormone into Australia, which he did last February, for, quote, cosmetic and therapeutic purposes, unquote. The 60-year-old actor was ordered to pay $10,000 in fines and court costs. Stallone told customs officials that he needed the drugs because he was headed into the jungle for three months to shoot a new Rambo movie. Said Stallone, Hey, this stuff gives your body a boost. You feel and look good. Adding, Hey, doing Rambo's hard work. Well, maybe, but it's nice work if you can get it. Take a short break and talk to Dr. Alan Hirschfeld about his interesting book, Parallax, The Race to Measure the Cosmos. 